You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. So we are going to uh, continue our series on the supernatural. Today we're going to talk about, well, that guy, the guy in that video. We're going to talk about Satan. We're in our series about the unseen world of the supernatural. Last week we talked about the reality of this invisible war that is taking place uh, right now in this very room. Ephesians 6.12 puts it this way. It says, for our struggle or our war is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people, but it's against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We talked last week how we are not alone, that there is a war going on right in this room right now, in your home, at work, in, in the hallways. There is a spiritual world that you cannot see, and it's taking place. C.S. Lewis, I gave this quote last week. I want to give it one more time from one of his books. He says this. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which uh, our race, the human race, can fall into about the devils or, or about demons in the spiritual world. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive, unhealthy interest in them. And we are not going to have an unhealthy interest, but we are exposing the darkness. So today, we're going to expose the truth about the devil. The things about the devil, he doesn't want you to know about himself. Second Corinthians 10, 3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't use... Uh, hand grenades and slingshots or nunchucks, the weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world, of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Our war is a spiritual war, and we don't fight with weapons that you can see. We fight with our faith, with our prayer, and with knowledge, with understanding of the truth and living and walking out this truth. So we are in a war, and we're not alone. That's the premise of this series the Bible does tell us that evil comes from three places. First of all, it comes from our flesh. Because we are born with a sin nature, we, we desire to do bad stuff. You know, we want to lie. We want to we take stuff that's not ours. We desire things that, that we don't have. We lust. We, we, we seek our best interests. A lot of evil in the world comes from ourself because our flesh, our desires, are pretty strong sometimes. And they win. The second way and the reason there is evil in this world, as the Bible says, because we live in a world with a whole bunch of fallen people and in a fallen universe. That means sometimes disease and sickness is a result of a universe that is broken and dying and in need of Jesus' return. And, uh, so, and we live in a world where there are other broken people who sometimes we receive the end of someone else's selfish and mean actions, Right? And then the third place that evil comes from, from is the devil. And he is real. And he does not like you. We're going to expose the devil today. This week, the devil and his influence and how we should respond. I need a guy in red. And actually, I found someone in front of me who's wearing red. So, E, can I have you come up here and help me? When we often think of the devil, we think of this. Look at these pictures here. Today's message is called The Day, uh, The Guy in Red. We think of uh, guys like this. I've got something for you. Could you do some, Here. 
Could you put this on for me? Should have wore blue today, he said. All right, yeah, get the eyes. See, on the way to church, I was like, I don't want to wear that mask. I got my hair looks pretty good today. So uh, here you go, man. You're the devil. All right. <laughs> here, come over here. Well, didn't it just change everything? Everything about him just changes. When we often think of the devil, we think of the guy in red. You're a good sport. I'm telling the devil he's a good sport. He's a good devil. He's a good devil. Oh, come on. <laughs> Are you just rearranging or were you about yeah, to walk off? Okay. All right. I'm out of here. Um, thank you, E. When we think of the devil, this is what we often think of, isn't it? I mean, we think of the guy in red. We think of horns and uh, pitchfork, right? Poking and prodding people. And, you know, the devil made me do it. <laughs> no, sometimes it was you. Um, that was what Eve said when she fell. You know, she said, Eve, what did you do? Adam, what did you do? And she says, well, the devil, he made me do it. The serpent did it. Right? We often uh, have this image of the guy in red. We look at the pictures and, you know, that we see. There's uh, pictures behind you of different devils. Um, and, and we think, you know what? Man, evil. And this is what we think. You know, the devil probably doesn't look like this at all. In fact, the Bible actually gives a very different image of what the devil looks like. And he's not necessarily the guy in red with horns. That's our creation to add fear to actually what the Bible says is a very beautiful creature. So um, we're going to talk about him. Thank you, E. I'm going to go ahead and take that mask from you, though, because I'm going to use it. It's pretty hot in there, isn't it? All right. I'm hanging it up on the iPad because I'm an Android user. All right. <laughs> That's pretty funny one. <laughs> All right. Um, 1 Peter 5a says, Be alert and be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Man, the devil is not our friend. He does not uh, love you. He doesn't like you. He doesn't, he doesn't want anything good to come from you. And he does not want to be exposed. He, the truth about who he is, he wants us to remain in fear of him. So these images of him are actually, I think, things that he likes. Because if we can be fearful of him, then, then all of a sudden, uh, you know, we're like, we're nervous about him and his power. And we, we just, man, hoping to just, man, hope God comes through, you know. He says, be alert, be sober-minded, be serious about this. Your enemy, he wants to devour you. See what the Bible says. He, he's actually named in a variety of ways, and his titles each reflect an aspect of, of his work. And I've got some of those listed up there. I don't expect you to look at them all up right now. But some of me, he's called the destroyer. He's the God of this world. He's the accuser. He's the great dragon. He's the adversary, the lawless one. Um, he is liar. He is um, the morning star. He is the murderer, the deceiver, the prince of the power of the air. He is the devil, the ruler of the world, the enemy the thief, Satan, the evil one, the serpent, the father of lies, the tempter. These are just a few of the many hundreds of names given to the devil, to Satan in the Bible. From the opening of the Bible to the very first story of the Bible to the very end, he is there. He's in the opening and closing of Scripture. In Genesis, he's present deceiving and tempting God's people. 
all through the Old Testament, he is wreaking havoc and deception and attacking and devouring God's people, God's mission, and trying to stop God's plan on the earth. In all four Gospels, Satan appears with Jesus and tries to tempt him and and, uh, dismantle the plan of God. And, And Jesus talks about three things more than anything else. He talks about, number one, the kingdom of heaven. He talks about the enemy of our soul, that's Satan. And he talks about our possessions, the top three things that God talks about. And Satan is referred to Jesus 25 times. Jesus talks specifically about him. And he faces off with Jesus personally multiple times. And in Revelation, we see the ultimate war and the final enemy judged by God. So he is present from Genesis to Revelation, and he is real. He, he's not a, in a, in a figment of Christians' imaginations or just an excuse for the sin in this world. Remember, three reasons for evil flesh a fallen world, and the enemy. Not everything that's bad is the enemy. You might be able to trace it back to the fall of man because of the enemy's temptation, but the enemy is alive. He is active. Satan is not a metaphor for evil. He is a powerful angel who committed treason with the creator, and now he seeks to destroy God's people and God's plan. Satan is an enemy of God and an enemy of you. This is what 2 Corinthians 11 says, he says, he tells them of, to be aware of certain struggles and sins and, and rebellion and unforgiveness. And then he says, I tell you these things in order that Satan might not outwit us. He says, for we are not unaware of his schemes. He says, man, I'm laying, I give you this word. I'm, I'm challenging you to know the truth so that you're not outwit by his schemes and that you know his plans. We are to know the enemy. Knowing Satan's tactics will help us to anticipate his work and live in victory rather than as victims. So what we're going to do today is we're going to define the demonic. Next week, we're going to kind of focus on demons and angels next week. And the, uh, well, there's basically two types of demonic activity. There is what is known as the ordinary demonic. And we kind of talked about that last week. Satan uh, provides false hope, false security, false miracles, uh, an acceptance of sin, uh, fear, deception, his schemes. We kind of unpacked them last week. And uh, I think before he like manifests himself like a demon, you know, or some kind of, you know, possession, he, you know, that's like a last resort. I don't think the enemy wants to manifest himself physically in any of our lives. Because if he has us deceived with a lie and to live a lie and to think that that's not a part of who he is, then he's one. Why would he need to manifest himself to show himself as evil physically in our life? And we might, hey, realize the enemy's here. So no, he's going to play it cool and he's going to do what's the ordinary demonic. The things that we don't realize are demonic. And then there's the extraordinary demonic. And those are the things that we often think about when we think demonic, the manifestations that are physical. And next week, we're going to talk about physical manifestations of the demonic. But today, I want to talk about where those come from, and that is Satan. Uh, we think physical man- manifestations when we think of the demonic, but when we do, we tend to forget the invisible demonic, the invisible war. And the daily satanic influences in our life. So 
I want you to write this down. Areas of demonic activity. Satan's demonic works are primarily to deceive, distract, and divide. That is his primary agenda on the planet. His false teaching and false religions are demonic. You know, all those false religions, everything, oh, that's just weird. No, they're demonic. The Bible is very clear that any teaching other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel that is given to us by the apostles, the apostles say that if you hear any spirit or any angel or even me, if anyone ever tells you a different gospel than what you know to be true, they say, let them be cursed. They're demonic. So these false religions are not just, well, you know, their flavor, that part of the world. No, apart from the gospel, the Bible says, that they're demonic. It includes false prophets, false ministries, false Christians, and false teachers. The Bible says those are demonic. He is also very active in leading the people of God astray. The New Testament, he shows up multiple times to pull us away and to stop God's plan. Heads up, let me tell you something. When you all of a sudden finally realize, you know what, it's time for me to volunteer in church. You know, kid venture, I think I should volunteer. I should, I, you know what? I want to do the pit crew. That was cool. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I really need to do that. You know, I'd like to get more involved. I'd like to connect with the church. I'd like to, man, I'd like to step out. I'd like to go over to my neighbor and get to know them and help them. But everything seems to stop you and get in your way. The apostle Paul says that's demonic. It says that is Satan working in your life to stop God's work in your life. And when we realize that the simple stopping of God's work in our life and us stepping forward in God's plan in our life or to serve God in our life, that's demonic. The sooner we realize and can recognize Satan's work in our life, the quicker we are able to move past them. He, he is also a tempter. And this is the big one that we know. Satan wants us to sin. He likes sin. He's the author of sin. He wants us to sin. Sexual sin is his specialty. He likes us to, to get, you know, attracted to people that aren't our husband or wives. He wants us to, to if you were young people, to accept the lie that as long as we love each other, it's okay to have sex before we're married. He wants us to think it's okay that as long as it's among consensual adults, then it's cool and it's all right. Well, if it's not all right with God, it's not all right. Don't let the enemy lie to you. He also encourages us to gossip, to, to be filled with hate, to be filled with rebellion, to be uh, addicted to, uh, to substances or, or to, uh, to have rage and to have anger, to inflict violence or to accept violence or to downplay violence or to belittle violence or to laugh at violence or to lie. He is the father of lies. He is the tempter. He wants us to be bitter. The Bible says these things are demonic. These are demonic things by the author of evil himself. Lying to us that our lifestyle view outside of the Bible is okay. That's demonic. Doing the things that Satan wants for your life. Guys, listen. Doing the things that Satan wants for your life, that's sin, is demonic. That's what the Bible says. Because that's his work. He's called a murderer. He loves death. The things of death. He wants you to live in fear and anxiety, worry and depression, to obsess about death, to, to love the things of death. 
He wants you to love and be obsessed with the things of darkness because that's his life. He wants you to be drawn away from the father of life and light. We are as Christians, if you are a Christian, I don't assume that you are, but if you are a Christian, you are a child of the light. And the enemy wants you to be obsessed and to be drawn to the darkness. The Bible says that is demonic. John 10.10 10 says the thief, that's the enemy, that's Satan. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. Jesus said, but I've come to give you life and give it to you to the full. You see, those three things, man, those are the things that are inspired from Satan. So if we're going to know him, we need to know about him. So what we're going to do, I'm going to spend the majority of this morning talking to you about where he came from, the truth about who he is, and expose the lies that we often think about him. So the first thing I want you to know is this. I want you to write this down. Well, you don't have to write this one down. It's already in your notes. Is That is, the enemy is not equal with God. The enemy is not equal with God. You know, I played that video or that, uh, that picture for you last week where it's Jesus and the devil <clears throat> arm wrestling. You know, that is not at all what the Bible says. God is almighty. Jesus is the God of eternity in the flesh. The devil is not in any way equal. God is omniscient. That means he knows all things. God is omnipotent. That means he's all powerful. And God is omnipresent. That means he is present everywhere. And the devil is none of that. The devil is not in any way equal to God. In fact, he's kind of like, it's kind of like this. This little ant here. All right, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this little ant here. Is this ant in any way comparable to me? How many legs does he have? Yeah. All right, he's got a head and legs. All right, I guess that's comparable. All right. Is his power like mine? So, well, you know, if he was our size, he'd be like as strong as like 20 men. He's not. Pop. (laughs) Murder in front of you. Actually, there's no ant at all. It's all a joke. There's no ant involved. You're somebody like, (laughs) he killed something in service today. Let me tell you something. The devil is not even, even, even that small to God. He is like minuscule. God is omnipresent. He holds the universe within himself. The devil is a created being who is in one place at one time, and the God of the universe can pop him like we pop an ant. There's not a comparison whatsoever. In fact, Job even tells us that any power and influence that Satan has is limited to what God gives him. We get this image of God with Satan on the throne, right? We, we saw some of those pictures earlier. He's on the throne and Satan is in hell on the throne and somehow God's in, in heaven, you know, he's like, oh, welcome, joy, peace, love, you know, oh, all the things that we think about, about God. I'm having microphone issues here. I pull it out. And we think God's over here, welcome now to the joy, you know, and then we, and then we get this image of the devil going, you know, oh, let me get my pitchfork. Of the devil over here going, <laughs> come on, I'm going to torture you forever. You know, you know I had it in me, huh? 
Zelenka. Or, or let me let me put it. Oh, welcome to home. <laughs> you know, pretty pretty good. Who <laughs> Satan, Santa? Pretty close, huh? <laughs> Think about it. Those of you that are Santa people, all right. So Santa's in hell. Oops, I mean Satan. Um, just switch the letters. I'm just all I'm saying. Um, just kidding. But but seriously. Uh, <laughs> We think he's in somehow that the devil's on the throne in hell, right? And we think God's in the throne in heaven. And we're like, yeah, no, yeah, God is master of all. Yeah, but he contracted hell out to the devil, right? That he gave the devil a job. And the, the devil somehow, you know, dug out the core of the earth and, uh, you know, and that he drags people to hell, drags them to hell. You know, I'm a drama student, you know, former drama. Uh, um, and we think that somehow it's, come on, you're mine now. You know, and we think, I don't want to go to hell because that's where the devil is. Well, you know, let me hear, you know what? The devil's not in hell yet. In fact, he's not even on a throne in hell. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't want to be in hell. He doesn't. He doesn't own hell. He's not contracted by God to inflict judgment upon people. In fact, the Bible says that God is Lord of all. He, that Jesus is Lord. In fact, Jesus is actually Lord of hell as well. Here's some verses. Uh, Matthew one eleven says uh, says that Jesus rules over all, and that's a hell included. It says. All things have been committed to me by my Father. All things. The Father loves His Son and has placed everything, everything in His hands. God placed all things under the feet, under His feet, and appointed Him to be head over all things. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Ever say of all? He is before all things. Colossians one seventeen. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Guess what? God created. All things, Jesus, who is God, the Bible says, created all things and that he holds all things together and he is before, in front of, and present in all things. We're actually going to look at this verse in Revelation next week where it says that Jesus is actually uh, presiding over the very areas of heaven and hell present at the same time. Satan's final place will be hell. He is not there now, and he does not want to go to hell because that is his final place. In fact, Matthew twenty-five forty-one, Jesus is talking about judgment, and he says, Depart from me, you curse into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So the fallen angels from heaven, which are now the demons, are what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about the demonic realm, the manifestations of of, of the demonic next week. But I want you to, I want, man, don't, you're, when Satan's not in hell, you know where the Bible says he is? We already read the verse. He is on this planet right now. He is searching the planet whom he might devour, whom he might take control of, who he might deceive, distract, and divide. He is presently right here in this world somewhere on this planet somewhere and he's not omnipresent so he's not everywhere at once and just a thought just a footnote it's not my notes but here's something to think about if the devil wants to focus his energies on the most uh, you know uh, um 
strategic places of destruction that he can affect, where do you think he would want to be? In the most important influences of the world, right? And who are those people? Christians and political figures. I think the devil is very active in politics. Because he wants to influence the affairs of the world on his behalf. And I think he's also very active in Christians' lives. To distract, to divide, to devour, to get us to sin. So God did not give Satan any control over hell. Scripture says he lives on the earth, roaming the earth, seeking who he may destroy. Second thing I want you to know about the enemy is that the enemy is a created being. Not created by man, but he's created by God. God created the enemy. I've got some additional verses there you can take a look at. Satan is a creation, not a counterpart. There's only one creator. Everything else is a creation. His knowledge, his presence, and his power are limited Because he is an angelic being, Satan is a spirit being. He is an angel from heaven. In fact, let's read his story. Ezekiel, prophesying about the king of Tyre, starts comparing this king to Satan and then goes into full prophetic mode talking about the origins of the devil. And this is what he says in Ezekiel 28, uh, 12b. He says, you were the seal of perfection, talking about the enemy. He says, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Man, Satan is not some devilish looking creature. The Bible says he was created perfect and beautiful and appealing. And I mean, when God creates something, he creates it perfectly. The Bible says that he was perfect. He says, you were in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone adorned you. And then he lists some of those stones. And he says, your settings and mountings were made of gold. And on the day you were created, they were prepared. Some think that he was like this giant jeweled kind of rock angel. You know, that is a comparison to the priestly garments. And it basically says he was adorned with apparel that was made out of all the precious jewels of the earth. Okay, there was, there was no, um, you know, fake studs. He didn't bedazzle his clothes. He had the real, the real thing. All right. And it says this. Verse 14, it says, you were anointed as a guardian cherub. And we're going to look at angels next week. Uh, cherubs are not fat little babies. They're actually, a uh, cherub is, is an angel with powerful authority. Um, it is basically, uh, it is, and a guardian means he's the, one of the best of the best with powerful authority in heaven. The word anointed, the literal there is actually winged. So we get this idea that he is this this giant, some sort of perfect, beautiful angel of massive size, of perfect in power and authority, uh, a creation of God um, who has this image of anointed with wings or able to cover those around them. And it goes on to say, he says, um, he says, so I adorned you, I, I ordained you. That means I put a special call on your life and you were on the holy mount of God. That means you stayed in my very presence. You were in the very presence of God and you walked among the fiery stones. That means you walked before the very throne of God. You were created by God to glorify and to serve God. 
talking about the enemy. He says, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till, everybody say till, till wickedness was found in you. By the way, we're going to talk about this next week. Angels have free will, just like we do. Angels have a choice. They're not robots. They're beings that God created that willingly submit to follow the authority of an almighty good God. Well, this one, this one whose name is not given at the time, says you walked among God, you were blameless until wickedness was found in you. And through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence. That means you traded in your glory for rebellion. And you traded your created design to worship yourself. He says, he goes on to say, he says, and you sinned. Guys, let me tell you something. When you trade in the way that God created you to live and to be, when you trade in, when you trade out God's plan for anything else, you sin. That's demonic. When you decide, well, it's okay in this area to not really trust God on this or obey God in this, You've traded in God's plan for your life. He says, when the enemy traded in, he fell. He says, you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. I kicked you out of my very presence. He says, your heart became proud on account of your beauty. And the the enemy is beautiful. In fact, the New Testament says that Satan often comes as an angel of light. I mean, this is what we expect, man. We think, oh, demons, oh, I don't want this devil. I don't want the devil. You know, we, want, we, we, we see the evil. We see devilish things. We go, that's the devil. Guys, the devil is often looking really good. It might be a foxy mama. It might be some handsome guy, and you love the way his skin is wrapped around his skeletal frame. <laughs> that means handsome. Some of you, you're, you're, you're drawn to think, man, this person does good things. They go to church. Man, they're a powerful speaker, a good teacher. Man, they know some Bible verse. It's like that video, man, just a kind, generous, older man who seems to be full of wisdom. Man, the enemy often comes as an angel of light because he is. In fact, his name, Lucifer, means star of the morning, a bright morning star, a bright light. We'll talk about that in a second. And he says, Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. You deceived yourself into thinking that you were better than you thought. Some of you, that's your struggle. He says, so I threw you to earth and I made a spectacle of you before kings. That means before those of authority. And I cast you from heaven. So he became proud of his heart. He desired to be worshiped and exalted like God. He wanted to retain and become like God himself, and he grew prideful and rebellious. And I went, third thing I want you to know is that the enemy is motivated by pride and self-glory. He is an enemy of humility. Subsequently, one of the most powerful allies in opposing God's people and plan is our own pride. Some of us, we're like, man, God is good. God's church, fine, I'll do that thing, Yeah. Or, you know, I don't need God. I don't need, you know, I, I know it's better. It's 2,000 years ago. Come on. I mean, that's old school book. I mean, I'm, we're current. This is 20th century, right? Pride, arrogance, Satan's most powerful allies. Some of you in this room are Satanists. A practical Satanist. You guys ever heard of the Church of Satan before? 
Church Satan is an actual 501c3 organized church in the United States. Actually, it's a global church. And uh, there's a lot of occultic and demonic churches that are recognized by our government. They're actually chaplains in the military that are ordained Church of Satan uh, chaplains uh, because the military strives to be as balanced as, as they can. And the Church of Satan is very vocal about things like this. Well, the Church of Satan, there is a variety of different uh, backgrounds on these occultic groups. Some of them actually believe in the devil. And the majority of them do not. In fact, the Church of Satan, started by Anton LaVey, who wrote the, uh, the, the, the Satanic Bible, uh, he actually does not believe in the devil himself. In fact, this is right off their webpage. If you don't go to the webpage, if you were to get their webpage, if you were to pull it up, this is on page one. And when I read this, I had to share it with you because to me, I thought, this is some of you. And some of you are Satanists and you don't even know it. This is what the website says. Some of you says uh, are right out of this. It says, to us, Satan is the symbol that best suits the nature of who we are, uh, carnal by birth. People who feel no battles raging between our thoughts and our feelings, and we do not embrace the concept of a soul imprisoned in a body. Satan represents pride, liberty, and individualism. Qualities often defined as evil by those who worship external deities. We feel there is a war, uh, who feel there is a war between their minds and their emotions. He says, man, we don't, we don't even acknowledge the war. We just give into it. Whatever our mind wants, whatever our flesh wants, whatever our desires wants. You know, we are born carnal. We receive that. And the, the enemy, Satan, represents liberty, freedom, and individualism to step out and to do whatever you want. In fact, the creed of Satanism is do as thou wilt. That is the whole of the law. That means you're your own boss. You're your own king. You're your own ruler. Do what you want. It goes on. He says, as Anton LaVey explained in his work, The Satanic Bible, he said, man, using his brain, invented all the gods. Since the Satanists understand that all gods are fiction, instead of bidding a knee to worship to or seeking friendship or unity with such mystical entities, he places himself at the center of his own subjective universe as his own highest value. And that's exactly what some of you do. Some of you, you are the center of your own universe. You might play church, you might play Christian, but you are technically the center of your own universe. Well, congratulations, you're following the satanic Bible. He says, we Satanists are thus our own gods and beneficent deities. We can offer love to those who deserve it and deliver our wrath upon those who seek to cause us or that which we cherish harm. That means if you hurt me, I have every right to destroy you. All right? We don't, the Satanist does not walk in forgiveness or grace or mercy or caring for those that can't care for themselves. They look out for themselves. Some of you are Satanists. And you're looking for the red mask. You're looking for the guy in red. But you are involved in the demonic. Isaiah gives us more details. Satan does not want to be worshipped necessarily. He has resigned himself to the worship of anything other than the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah 14, 11 says, All your pomp, that means all your ceremonies, all your raising of hands, all your singing, 
All that pomp has been brought down to the grave along with the noise of your harps. Talking about the devil, how the devil was cast from heaven. He says, uh, says, maggots are spread out beneath you and worms cover you now. So he says, some take that verse and think that somehow that maybe Satan was this like great worship leader in heaven. You know, I've, I've been in church long enough to hear that message. You know, they, well, he was, he actually had flutes, you know, I've heard people try to explain. He was a stone and he was made out of rocks and that they were shaped in such a way that when the wind blew him, he made music. I'm like, it's not in the Bible, but that's interesting. And then others will say, see, it says, it says that you were brought down along with the noise of your harps. Like, see, see, he's, he's got guitars coming out of him. We don't know what that means. It just means the noise and the worship that he was involved with. Maybe he was a musician. We don't know. He was not a musical instrument as some have taught. He says, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star. Now the word morning star in the King James is translated Lucifer. It means Hillel, which means light bearer. He says, you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. This is echoed by Jesus. Jesus was there in Luke 18, uh, 10, 18. Jesus said, I saw, this is Jesus. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus was there. He did it. He says, he goes on to say in Isaiah, you have been cast down to earth, you who once laid low the nations. For this reason, verse 13, this is why, because you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon, and I will ascend above the tops of the clouds, and I will make myself like the most high God. You see, Satan, his desire was to be his own God, was to be in charge of his own life and to get some of that glory from others. He wanted to take God's place in his life. We do the same thing. Some of you don't see demons flying around you, but you are involved in the demonic when you put yourself at the center of your own life. And you know what? The devil is just fine with that if you don't even believe in him. And he is just fine with that if you don't worship him. He could care less because he is one if you worship yourself, your individualism, and your own life over God's. By the way, God loves you as an individual. He wants us to be different because he created us different as individuals, but that is all to be submitted to who Jesus is. He goes on to say, says, you said in your heart, I will send to the most high, verse 15. He says, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. So he declared war on God and he took a third of the angels. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about that third of spirit angels who can only be at one place at one time. These angels became demons. That's what we call them. Judged by God for his sin, and he was cast down to the earth. Revelation twelve seven says, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. And the great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled down to earth, and his angels with him. I want you to write this down. The enemy has an army. The enemy is not alone. He has a third of heaven on his side. Now, regardless of how many that is, there's still two times more of angels. God is still, and you know what? God has the ability to create 
at the time of the fall, he took a third. God could have created more angels. So there might be even more angels in heaven. There might be like a third of 2,000 years ago or or 4,000 years ago. There might be even more of a big variance now. But the point is this. There's an army waging war against us. God is almighty, but there is an army. And in this war against God, he is... He not only has fallen angels who are now known as demons, but he also has people who are allies in his army. And we're going to talk about some of those demonic influences next week. We're going to talk about the things in our life that invite the demonic and some of those demonic things. Now, I want you to write this down because uh, like last week, if you have any questions at all, I'm going to be finished here in a couple minutes and I want you to be able to text me with questions right now. I've got my phone ready. Like last week, text me questions, 469-877-1101. That's 469-877-1101. It's in the worship guide. Uh, My phone number is in the worship guide. Text me questions, and we'll answer some of those questions this morning. Uh, Questions about the devil. So, Upon the earth, he appeared as a serpent to tempt Adam and Eve. You might know the story. He twisted God's word by lying to them with the same lie that he has, is that you want to be like God, I want to be like God. God doesn't want you to be like him. After successfully tempting Adam and Eve, he was judged and cursed. And God said, you know what, Satan? Uh, You might have, have led these people astray, but ultimately Jesus will come and crush your head. You will bruise the heel of the Messiah, but the head of you will be crushed, and that's a fatal blow. So if you're a Christian, we need to understand his power and not be fearful of him. Ezekiel twenty-eight eighteen says, By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So it made a fire come out from you, and it consumed you, and I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching All the nations who knew you are appalled at you and you have come to a horrible end and will be no more. I want you to write this down. The enemy is a loser. The enemy is a loser. Because Jesus has crushed Satan at the cross. Christ has won. The grave is empty. Death has no hold on those that follow Jesus. Sin, power, death, hell, the grave, all defeated by Jesus. Next week, we're going to look at angels and demons. The week after that, our last week, we're going to look at heaven and hell. We're going to unpack the reality of hell. We're going to unpack the reality of heaven. But I want you to know, in Christ, you've won. Satan has already been defeated. He is already a loser. Colossians 2 Verse 13 says it this way, it says, and you being dead in your trespasses. That means when you were dead in sin, when you were a prisoner to the devil, when you were under the the control of the enemy, he says, he has made you alive together with him and he has forgiven you all your trespasses. He says, through Jesus Christ, when you were an enemy, God forgave you and set you free. Check this out. He goes on. He says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that were against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way and he has nailed it to the cross, having disarmed the principalities and powers. That's Satan and his demons. He has disarmed the enemy and he has made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them. So Christ is one. He is victorious. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says, the sting of death is sin. 
and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory over Jesus uh, through our Jesus, sorry, victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved children, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain of the Lord, because you have won. You have won. The devil is a loser. He wants you to think that he still has influence and power. He still wants you to think that he is something to be fearful of and worried about. If you are a Christian, you have nothing to be afraid of. If you are not a Christian, you should be afraid because he seeks to destroy you. If you are a Christian, he seeks to distract and divide you. Jude 9 says that even Michael, the archangel, when he faced off with the devil, did not rebuke the devil. He said, the Lord rebuke you. This is a reminder that any authority and power we have over demons is strictly the Lord in us. Satan's final fate, Genesis 20, 20 says, the devil who descended, uh, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's Satan's final fate. So why in the world does he keep trying? Why if he knows that he is ultimately going to be in the lake of fire, why does he still keep trying? Perhaps because the great deceiver has deceived himself. I don't know. But he still keeps trying. He is a loser. So how do we overcome the devil's influence? I want to end with these thoughts out of James. And we're going we're gonna to worship a little bit because I want to give God the glory this morning. I don't want any fear and anxiety over the enemy because the Bible says he has been crushed under the feet of Jesus. So how do we do this? James 4, 4 says this. says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? That means you become an enemy of God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. This is the first thing I want you to know. If you want to overcome the influence of the enemy of your life, in your life, you need to, number one, identify any sin in your own life. Some of you are like, I just don't understand. I feel like I'm under so much attack. I feel like the enemy is attacking my family. I feel like he's attacking my finances. I feel like he's attacking my heart. You can't get him out of my mind. I'm having these bad dreams. I don't understand. Well, number one, identify any sin in your life. The Bible says if you are living according to the world, then you are an enemy of God. And let me tell you something. If you are an enemy of God, then no one can be with you. No one can be for you. The Bible says, I love this verse, uh, Romans eight thirty one. What shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Man, if God is for you, no one can stop what God is doing. But if God is against you, nobody can do anything to help you. So I have a question for you. Are you an enemy of God today by your sin? So if you want to break the influence of Satan over your life and break the influence of the demonic over your life, you need to identify the sin in your life. James goes on to say in verse 5 of chapter 4, he says, Do you not think Scripture says without reason that he is jealous and that he longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud. That's a reference to Satan. But shows favor to the humble. Verse 7, submit yourselves then to God. Second thing is this, is you need to humble yourself before God. Again, the ally of the enemy is pride. And, and 
humility and brokenness before God or others, man, that, is, that will set you free. That will break the bonds of, of change over your life. Man, that will loosen the influence of the enemy over your life. God says, submit yourself to God. Submit means to follow, acknowledge his rule and reign. Get a proper perspective of God in the universe and in your life and submit to his rule and reign. Submit to his rule. That's what this is. Submit to his, not rules, it's not rules. He has given us grace. When I say rule, that means his authority in our life. God hasn't given us rules. He's given us a rule. That means his authority. We live according to his will, his way. And when we uh, submit to his authority, when we submit to him, the influences of the enemy are loosened. So I have a question for you. Is Jesus in his proper place in your life? Some of you, you're battling the demonic. You're battling Satan right now and you can't figure out, well, is he in his proper place in your life? Here's the third thing. First Peter 5, 6 says something similar. He says, humble yourself, therefore, under, the, under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. Cast your all, like, all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You know, God cares for you today. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about what's hurting you. He cares about those attacks. He says, but be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He says, resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of struggles. That means you're not alone in this battle. In James 4, he continues, he says, once you submit yourself to God, verse 7, he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is the next thing. You need to identify the sin in your life. You need to submit yourself to God and you need to resist the devil. What does that mean to resist the devil? Resist the devil. This is what it means. It means... With Jesus at the center, you acknowledge Satan's existence, know his schemes in his way, and don't do them. Acknowledge the enemy, acknowledge his schemes and his ways, and don't do them. That's resisting the devil. Don't do them, participate them, but expose them. When we do this, he runs. Guys, listen to me. This, is, this, this will change your life. Check this out. The Bible never says to run from the devil. The Bible says run from sin and the devil will run from you. Think about that. We are not to be afraid of the devil. We are not to run from the enemy. If you are a Christian, you have power and authority over the enemy with Christ in you. We're not to run from him. We are to run and flee sin, the Bible says. And then when we resist the devil, when we run from sin, the enemy runs from us. Some of us, were so afraid of the devil, we just want to run from the things that look like devil stuff. And when we think of devil stuff, we think of horns and evil and maggots and pitchforks and zombies, whatever. I don't know. We think of gory stuff. No, but God says, you know, don't worry about the devil. Know who he is. Be knowledgeable of his schemes. Resist those schemes. Submit to God. He will give you the power through the Holy Spirit to stand strong against his schemes, against that temptation, against that fear, against that anxiety, against that sin. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, when you submit to God through the Holy Spirit, you can resist the devil and he will flee. He will run from you. 
Satan cannot remain where God exercises his power. When you exercise the power of God in your life, the enemy runs. That's why in a church service, you have, you know, I meant to say this. I believe the enemy is going crazy this morning because he's getting exposed. And he is going to try to disrupt you, distract you, divide you, get you kind of dozing off because he doesn't want you to hear about his lies. So he is active in this room. He's getting stirred up because he knows that he's going to be fleeing and running from some of your lives once you understand his place. So I have a question for you. Are you inviting his presence in your life by your acceptance of his ways? When you walk in the enemy's ways, you invite him into your life. And when you invite Christ and walk in Christ's ways, you invite him to work in your life. It works both ways. James 4 eight ends with this. He says, he says uh, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I like this double-minded. This is all I demand. We think, man. One day we want to get to live for God. One day we don't. One day we want to do what's right. One day we don't. One day we believe in the devil. One day we don't. One day we're worshiping God and the next day we're cursing God. He says, man, it's time to get things right, double-minded people. It's time to, to wash your hands. It's time to purify your heart. These are symbols of, of Christ. He says, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. This is the last thing. You need to identify the sin in your life. You need to submit to God. You need to resist the devil. And you need to pursue God. Pursue God. Take it serious. He says, man, some of you, you need to, you need to cry out to God and, and repent for the sin that you are in. Some of you, it's time to lay bare your heart before the Lord and let him know of all your fears and anxieties and all your struggles. And you need to pursue God with all of your heart. Take it serious. Draw near, humble, clean, repentant, broken before God. And Satan's influence over your life, you will find, will be broken. So as the band comes, we're doing a, I like this acoustic setup today. I think this is perfect. As, as I was thinking about this, Chris, I think this is perfect because the enemy likes the show. And sometimes uh, we do too. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, we, we like guitars, we like sound, we like, we like, you know, the lights and everything. But you know what? Sometimes God gets lost in that because it turns into a rock show. And I think, this was, I think this was the Lord's doing for us to do acoustic this morning. I do because I think it says, you know what? It humbles us. It's simple. It, keeps, it gets it down to, to what is really the essence of worship here. Where's my pitch for it? Oh, you took it. Oh. I got it out of here. He was at the door. Uh, I was at the door. No, it's okay. All right. All right. Uh, well, I was going to break it, but because uh, I don't want it used. All right. I don't want somebody to go, oh, I'm going to be the devil for Halloween now. No, you're not. Okay. There you go. This is what God does to the enemy. All right. Through the cross of Jesus. Amen. All right. Uh, let's pray, and then I'm going to, if there's any texts, I'm going to answer some of those texts. I've got a few of them, so uh, I'm going to pray. Uh, let's have the ushers come forward. I'm just going to go ahead and do this, Sean, and, uh, and then we'll answer some questions from texts, and we'll get back to the band.
Father, I thank you that uh, you have given us power over the enemy. The enemy is a liar. He is a thief. He is a destroyer. He is a murderer. God, he would like nothing more for us to live in fear of him. And uh, Lord, I pray if you, uh, Lord, if there's anyone here in this room, I pray, uh, Lord, if they need to know you, God, then let today be the day that they uh, submit to God, that they resist the devil and that they pursue Jesus with all of their heart. If there's anyone in this room, I'm going to give you that invitation. I'm going to give you that chance. Will you just take a minute just to talk to God? Say, Jesus, you know, I've been a Satanist. I've been the God of my own universe. And it's time for you to get off your throne and acknowledge the throne of Jesus. Will you just talk to him right now? If that's been you, will you repent? Before God, that means to turn. That means to acknowledge that you were wrong and God was right. That's what that word means. Will you just talk to God for a minute and say, God, I was wrong. Forgive me of my sin. Lord, I am not God in any way. I submit myself to your rule, to your authority. Forgive me of my sin through Jesus Christ. Shed blood on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe you died and rose again from the grave. Wash me clean and live and work in me. God, I pray for everyone in this room. God, give us the power to resist the enemy through your spirit. God, I pray if there's anyone here that feels attacked by the enemy, Lord, I pray that they would know that they can be free through Jesus Christ. Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, bless the offering and those that give. Lord, we give that to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you feel like you're under demonic attack, then uh, I'd like to talk to you and uh, encourage you and pray for you, okay? So let's take a look at some of these as the usher is being handed out. Okay, this person asked, the Bible says the devil is the ruler of the world. That's a bit confusing for people. Could you explain that a little bit more on how Satan is ruler of the world as opposed to God being the ruler of the world? We talked about that last week. There's a verse in the Bible where it calls Satan little g, God of this world. And uh, that's a sarcastic pun that the Apostle Paul uses because Paul makes it very clear that there are no other gods but the Lord God. He also makes it very clear in the same letter that Satan has no power. Uh, But we have made, whenever we put idols of this life on the throne of our heart, we have made Satan the God of our life and the God of this world. So, That's what that means. It doesn't mean that Satan has any power or authority over this world because the Bible is very clear. Jesus is Lord of this earth. He is the prince of peace, the prince and king of all. The Bible will often use phrases like the enemy being the prince of the air, meaning he tries to extend authority over the earth, but ultimately he is in areas that don't belong to him. Okay? So I hope that answers that. Here's another one. It says... uh, The people that go to hell, do they join Satan's army or are they demons also? Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about this with demons in hell in the next two weeks. But when someone goes to hell, uh, you do not become a demon. You actually experience the same torment that the enemy will have. And that is everlasting torment uh, that was never designed for you. We're going to talk about that when we get to hell. But no, you do not join Satan's army you are in torment forever. Um, This person asks, I know the answer. (laughs) 
but I hear this one frequently. Can a Christian be possessed by Satan? We're actually going to talk about that next week. Uh, I will tell you right now, I do not believe that Satan or demons can possess a Christian. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. A Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, the Holy Spirit is God in us, and the devil has no, no place in our life, in our body. We're going to talk about this next week. Demons can possess a body. We're going to talk about that next week, but no, I don't think Christians can be demon-possessed. This one says, uh, why is Satan allowed to be a power on the earth? That's a mystery of, uh, of the universe. That is a, we know this, that, that God gave Satan power in Job. Uh, he, uh, you know, he's a created being, and a God is a God of patience and grace, and, and uh, he is slow to his wrath, and he created uh, eternal beings like angels, and he will ultimately find his place of judgment and even 5,000 years on this earth is a drop in the bucket of eternity to God. So I think we forget the bigger perspective. I mean, a blink to God and this creation to revelation is over, right? So um, the short window of, of time that the universe has with the enemy will come to an end. But that is a, an interesting question. There's, well, maybe we'll get into that some more next week. This question says, are angels tempted? You know, I don't have the answer for everything, but apparently a third of the angels and the devil was. Um, the devil was created and was an angel who tempted the devil before sin. He was tempted by the, uh, by the desire to just have his own glory. I don't know anything beyond that. All we know is that he had in his heart the beginning seed of selfishness. And that's, that's kind of the key. Sin is all birthed out of selfishness. Um, why would God create something that would eventually sin against him? That's a good question, but we know that the Bible says that before the foundations of the earth, before God even spoke Adam and Eve and the earth into existence, the Bible says that Jesus was slain before the foundations of the earth. And that means that before God even created the earth, that Jesus had a plan of redemption already in place. Um, it says, why then, uh, last one, why when you start to do right, and pursue God, everything in your life starts to crumble. And uh, I think that's a good question to end on, and that's because the enemy hates you and is going to try to derail you and distract you and to pull you away. There's a parable of the uh, of the seed in John chapter 4, I think it is, where there's different types of hearts, and the enemy, the devil, comes in to, re- to rob and to steal the truth from us. So if you're feeling that pressure... You are victorious in Jesus. Stand on the victory of Jesus. The devil is a liar. And if you need some more encouragement, come talk to me or one of our leaders. We'd love to pray for you and encourage you. All right. Lots of questions. Thank you so much. Uh, we've already taken up the offering. I'm gonna. We need to end with just a little bit of worship or praise, whatever you want to end in. And uh, God bless you. Bring someone next week who uh, feels like they are attacked by the enemy. Thank you for listening to the Living with Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.